Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know what I love? I love being in God's presence, but one of the things I love also is just seeing the church be the church. You know, that uh, I love how uh, Dave just invited everybody up to pray. That it's, it's not, we're not waiting for me to pray. You're not waiting for that special person to pray for you. Hey, if you're, if you're a son or daughter of the king of kings, then, then you can pray. You, you belong up here praying for somebody. And so that, thank you for responding to that, most of all. I mean, that was just so, so amazing to see almost all of us up front here and uh, just loving on one another and praying for one another. And uh, that's, that's, that's what it's about right there. That's part of what it's about for sure. Um, and so what a precious time. I feel like kind of we, we got a great uh, demonstration of this message through some of these songs already and uh, just through the, the ministry and, and the, the encouragement, the exhortation that, that Dave was bringing. So uh, I think Dave could have just preached today. So I, I think he's already filled up. So uh, but I appreciate you releasing that, my friend. It was, it was very good, right on. Uh, we don't ever want to be in a hurry just to like say, okay, that's the last song. Now we're just going to pray and we want to get to where whoever's preaching can preach. Uh, if God wants to do something before that, we want to be open to that. So uh, thank you for being sensitive to that. I want us to open up to Hebrews chapter 12 again. We are in Hebrews 12. Uh, we are walking through the chapter. We are not going to finish it this week. I thought we were, uh, but... I got stuck on the first six verses, and, and we're going to, I think that's long enough to go, uh, is what I'm thinking. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but Hebrews 12, uh, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we've been walking through that off and on. Uh, we took a little bit of a break with uh, some other things on Sunday, but uh, we've been talking about fixing our eyes on Jesus right at the start. Number one, that's what we got to do. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Number two is... Uh, we got to be corrected by the Lord. We got to be able to receive correction and discipline. That that's a sign that we are the children of God. That that's meant to uh, be good in our lives, to bring about the, the the character and heart of Jesus in us. Um, and last week we looked at um, the idea of uh, not falling short of the grace of God, receiving God's grace in our life to empower us what He's called us to do and to to pull up any bitter roots in our lives, to anything in our life that would have bitterness in it, to, to pull it up because it's going to affect other people around us. And we wouldn't be like Esau who sold himself for just a lunch because his, his fleshly desires were so strong that he just had to give in to what, whatever was around him. And so that's grace allows us not to just give in. So great, grace is freedom to not sin. It's not just to cover sin, it's, it's freedom where you don't do it anymore, because you don't want to, because it's not, it's not attractive anymore. It, it doesn't have a pull on you, it doesn't have a heart on you anymore. Anyway, that was last week, so uh, if you missed it, go listen to it online or watch it online or whatever is your preference, um, but we're going to move to the next verses here, Hebrews 12, there's so much in this chapter. Um, so many references in Hebrews also to the, the Old Testament. So I think it's kind of interesting that we started today with 
with talking about manna from the Old Testament. You know, it's like this, this picture that God gives us um, and it was inviting us into today. And so we're going we're gonna to look at a couple more here uh, from the Old Testament and bring it into the New Testament. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God as we read it right now in Jesus' name. So this is Hebrews 12, starting at verse 18. So it says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The, excuse me, the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. <coughs> to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And so this is a powerful passage, but you may not understand what's going on if you don't know some of the Old Testament. Because most of the first part is like you're going, if you don't know it, and that's fine. You, you're here to learn. If you're not, if you're learning the Bible is good. So if you haven't learned it yet, you just start. It doesn't mean you feel bad about, oh, I haven't learned that yet. I should know that. No. Now you're going to learn it. Now you get to know it. Now you get to dig in. So uh, if you didn't know what that was referencing, that is referencing uh, when the people of God were taken out of slavery, they came to a mountain called Mount Sinai. It's the book of Exodus. And it says that when they came to the mountain, that God came down on the mountain. And of course, this is the mountain where you know, later Moses goes on up the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments. He receives the Ten Commandments written on the, the tablets of stone. And it says when God came down on the mountain, there was all kinds of amazing things that happened. This is Exodus 19. If you need to go read it later, go in your, the second book of the Bible, Exodus 19. It says that God's very presence came down on the mountain and then all these things happened. There was a fire, there was darkness, there was storm, there was an earthquake. There was trumpets blasting out from the mountain. There was a voice coming out from the mountain. And it says that all the people were freaked out. I don't know why. It's totally normal. When you go to a mountain, there's like trumpet blasts coming from it, voices coming, you know, fire comes down from heaven onto the mountain, and they're like, who wants to go up the mountain now? And everybody, all the people say, Moses, you go ahead. You're our leader. The pastor should go first. I'm not stepping into that thing right now. There's a freaky trumpet going on right now. Lots of reverb. You know, woo, it's just echoing. And it says all the people were scared. And so only, only Moses, and in fact, it wasn't, it wasn't only that they said, go up Moses, that he, they, Moses was the only one who said, I'm going to go up. It said he feared God, so he went closer to him. 
Because if you fear God, you're going to get closer to Him. You're not going to run away from Him. Being afraid of God and fearing God are not quite the same thing. Being afraid is just being freaked out about what's going on. Like, I'm just scared of that. When you're scared of something, you avoid it, right? I mean, if you, if you like heights, if you don't like heights, when someone invites you to jump out of an airplane, what do you do? Oh. You, know, you get the pastor appreciation gift. Hey, we got you a gift. It's a free trip to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, op- I'm open to it. So, anyway, I'm not trying to give you ideas. I'm just saying, like, it <laughs> doesn't matter how, how much the gift costs or whatever. If you're scared of that thing, you ain't going there, right? You're not, you're not going where you're scared. I mean, there's some people that are just like thrill seekers, right? Okay, a small percentage of people that are just like, if it scares me, I'm going to do it. Okay, but the normal ones, the normal humans, we avoid things that we're afraid of, right? We, we, just, we just stay away from it. Man, if we don't want to deal with the issues in our life, we don't talk about them because we're afraid. Anyway, we'll just leave that there. could be something else in your life. Not just airplanes, right? Those are the easy things to deal with, right? It's the things of the heart. There's some things in our heart that we don't want to deal with. We're like, God, I don't want to go there because I'm scared you're going to bring up that one thing and I'm, I don't know if I can deal with it. And we avoid it because we're afraid. So fear caused the people, really, to, to miss out. And, and basically, what, what the writer of Hebrews, um, who once again... The Jew, Apollos, I think wrote, (laughs) my son and I had a discussion about this, but uh, there's lots of people who think that as well, so, but whoever wrote the book of Hebrews was making a comparison between the old and the new. It's kind of like throughout the book of Hebrews, he's saying, this is how it used to be, now here's Jesus. It starts off with saying, hey, Moses was pretty cool, but Jesus is better. All the, you know, angels are really cool. They're amazing. But Jesus is better. All this stuff we had before was, was, that was great. But now Jesus is better. And so the new is better. And so that's the whole, that's like Hebrews in a nutshell, is Jesus is better. So let's go with Jesus and not the old. So he's saying, look, you have not come to the mountain like they came. It's a different time. It's a different place. It's a different season in the, the history of God. Because at the mountain of Sinai, one man went up. But with the new covenant with Jesus, Jesus came down to get us. In the old covenant, the people were afraid. They were afraid to get near to God. But in the New Covenant, people are saved. In the Old, they were far from the presence of God. In the New, we've been brought near through the blood of Jesus to enter the very presence of God. And so there's this comparison. Hey, you didn't come to this but you come to this. You've come to Mount Zion. Now, what is Mount Zion? Mount Zion is this. Basically, it, it started from a nickname. 
The people of God in the Old Testament, the capital was what? Jerusalem, right? Now, Jerusalem was on a, on a hill, like on a, a, a mountain, a little mountain. Mountain for West Texas, for sure, okay? Huge mountain for West Texas, uh, which is just a hill. So, Jerusalem was on, and they just began to refer to Jerusalem as the, the city of Zion. And so then it was like Mount Zion. And then it was like, because that's where the presence of God dwelt. So it was kind of this, this uh, word and description to say, hey, that's, that's like the presence of God. And then it became a point of saying like, okay, like heaven, like the presence of God, like the other, the, the spiritual realm, the, the place where God dwells, like Mount Zion, that, that's where it is. And so when he says, hey, you've, you've, you've not come to this, you've not come to just something physical, you're coming to something spiritual. You're coming to something beyond this world. You're coming to something that's from heaven right now. The old was just here, but the, but the new with Jesus is beyond here. It's beyond just what I see and feel with my five senses. It's, it's the supernatural kingdom of God that, it, that is present in His presence. It says, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, you've come to, you've come to what? Thousands upon thousands of... In other words, you, you're, you're joined. You're joined with something bigger than you could ever do on your own. You're connected to Jesus and all of who Jesus is in charge of. To the church, the assembly of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Aren't you glad that your name is written down in heaven if you're a child of God? If you've given your heart to Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, it's, the Bible says your name is written in heaven. When they open the book, because there is going to be a time, it says we've also come to the judge. There is a time where God, God, part of his nature is he's a judge. They're going to open up the books, and the books have everything. You can't hide anything. And the only way to change the books is to have Jesus. If not, then the book of my life is a book of darkness and sin and brokenness and hate and impurity. But with Jesus, my name is now written in what? The book of life. Check the book. Right, Evan? Check the book. Old Carmen song. <laughs> Go listen to it. The courtroom. The devil can't find the book. Where's the book? It's gone. <laughs> anyway, just love some of, the, some of those old 90s, 80s, cheesy Christian songs. They're still good, baby. Okay. Uh, where's Carly? Oh, she's Carly's helping teach. Okay. Just connecting with the old people here, Carly. Okay. So she's never going to live that one down. Okay. Uh, hopefully you're old enough to understand me this morning. Okay. If you don't get it, you're young. So, uh, Anyway, if you weren't here for the announcements, you don't get what I'm talking about. So, um, so it's so much better. I mean, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Hey, this is not like the old way. You don't have to be on the outside looking in. With Jesus, you're on the inside with him. You're not just on the outside looking in. You're, you're on the inside with him. Your name is written in heaven. You, you belong now. 
You've been bought with a price. You've been purchased. You don't belong to yourself. You don't own yourself anymore. And that's good news. Because then, now you've got the best owner ever. You know, some people don't know how to own stuff, right? I mean, think of like the difference between a renter's mindset and an owner's mindset. Does anybody have a house that they, you know, you, you rent out houses? Um, those people that rent out your house, they don't, they don't take care of it like you do, right? Why? Because they don't own it. It's not theirs. They're, it's just temporary, right? And so, you know, when you, if you're renting a house, and hopefully you don't have this mindset, especially if you're a Christian, But the mindset is this, it doesn't matter what happens here because I'm going to, once I'm done with my contract, I have, no, I have nothing to do with this place and I move on. But an owner, man, you're, you're all in, man, this is, your, this is your house. And so if there's something wrong with it, then hopefully as, as once your wife nags you about it for six weeks, <laughs> did I say nag? Communicate communicates about it for six to eight years. <laughs> it just happens. I don't know how it happens, right, guys? I don't know. It just happens. You, you take care of it because it's, it's your house. You can't, you can't just call the landlord and say, hey, can you come fix this? But that's the good news when, when Jesus owns you. is He's the one taking care of you. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to take care of everything. You just call them up. Jesus, I've got this broken in my life. I need your help. You're the owner of, my, of me, the house. Come help me. I don't have the finances to help me. I don't have the resources. I don't have, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the expertise to help myself. And he says, yes, I'm going to come because you're mine. I own you. I bought you. I wanted to buy you with my blood. So you're not like the Old Testament. You're, you got it even better than Moses if you're a follower of Jesus. You've been brought into the very presence of God. You don't just have to stand on a mountain on earth and see the effects of God on the outside. You can have the effects of His life on the inside of you where you are transformed by the changing of your heart and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within your life where God's presence comes in you and upon you and changes you. Then he comes to the second one. So there's first the comparison of like the mountain of Sinai with the new covenant. Then he compares two things, the blood of Abel and the blood of Jesus. And it says, you've, not, you've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You know, Jesus is the one that stands between everything that we do and in our interactions with God. It says in Hebrews 9, 24 or 27, that he ever lives to make intercession for us. Which verse is it? 24? I'm probably mixing it up. I didn't write that down. The Bible says... <laughs> you all have your phones out. You can search it faster than me. So, that Jesus 
lives to make intercession. In other words, he's standing between us and God. He's forever. So every, every interaction you have with God is through Jesus. And that's good news, right? Because when God the Father looks at you, if you're a child of God, guess who he sees? Jesus. Jesus looks good. I'm not talking about physical looks here. We're, not, we're talking about spiritual. We're talking about things that matter here. So he sees us. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. He's the one who paid for it. He's the one who established it. He's the one who's taking care of it right now. He's the one who's making sure all the requirements are being kept. He's the one that is sitting at the right hand of Father God. So you've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And if you don't know your Old Testament, that's okay. Where is the person Abel mentioned? Does anybody know the book? Genesis. Very good. Thank you. In fact, have you ever heard of Cain and Abel? Okay. So in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel are the first kids on earth. They're the two sons of Adam and Eve, the first humans on earth. And it says, as the story goes, here's what happens with Cain and Abel. It says that Cain worked the ground and that Abel took care of the animals, took care of the flocks. And it says that Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground, of basically what he grew, and he brought it to God as an offering. But it says that Abel took the firstborn, the best, of his flocks, and he presented it as an offering unto God. And it says that God looked with favor on Abel's offering, but he didn't on Cain's. And so Cain got upset because he says, God, I gave you something. I gave you something. And God says to Cain, hey, you better watch out. Your brother brought the best. But sin is at the door of your heart, and it's waiting to destroy you. And so God warned him. God even warned him. He said, don't do this, basically. You've you got stuff going on in your heart. There's something right at the door of your heart. You've got to be aware of what's at the door of your heart. And it says that Cain invited his brother out to the field. And something horrific happens. It's the first time that, that another, one human kills another. It's the first time that human blood is shed on earth. I mean, they may not have even known, Cain may not have even known what it would have been like. Can you imagine, like, when he kills his brother, like, all this stuff starts coming off of his, anyway, don't want to be too gruesome. <laughs> But you think about the, the shock and the, and, the, and the awfulness. Think about the, 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 the tragedy and the horrificness of him experiencing death. Only, only an animal had died at this point, and God had to kill the animal to cover them with skins, right? If you go back and read the first few chapters of Genesis, because blood always covered sin. So this time, Cain kills Abel, and then it says God comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to take care of him? 
And then God says something interesting. He says, Cain, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. So Abel's blood was speaking to God. Abel's blood was crying out to God for justice, for, for restitution, for, for vengeance, really. And it says here that we come to the blood of Jesus, which speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Think about this. Thinking about Cain and Abel and that whole, that whole encounter. Like, think about the first time, the first time where you really understood sin. When you did something wrong, I'm not trying to bring a total downer on you here. Just work with me here. So, think about the first time when you just, when you just realized how awful sin was. Some of us, if we grew up in church, it may have happened sooner. Or it may not have happened sooner. Just, and we still grew up in church. For some of you, if you grew up in the world, it's almost sometimes, I'm not saying it's better, it's God has his own, he'll get to us wherever we need to be. But sometimes it's better because you realize where you were and you're like, whoa, woe is me. I need God. I need, I need something because this is, this is messed up. I'm messed up. I've messed up other people. I have, I've hurt people and I can't stop doing it. I can't get out of this thing. I can't. Who's going to save me from this? How can I get out of this life? And you come to that first point because that was, that was the point where Cain had a decision to make, where he had, he had the horrificness of sin in his life. There was a moment there where God came to him and gave him a chance. It says that Cain was then banished from the presence of the Lord. For some reason, they were still kind of like semi in Eden. And they had the presence of God there. It was like there was this thing. It says, no, he had to leave. He had to go outside of the presence of God because of his sin. But think about the first time when you realize, like, I need a Savior. I, I, I need a Savior. Not just this is a good idea. Not just I need to get my life straight. Not I need to be a better person. Not I need to save my marriage. Not I need, I just, I need this. I need a savior to free me from my sin. I need someone who's going to take the chains off of my life. I need someone who's going to wash the blood off of my hands where I've hurt other people. Maybe it's not physically, but I've hurt them emotionally. I've hurt them I've hurt them mentally. I've hurt them relationally. And there is blood that is crying out because of what I have done. If you've never come to Jesus, you're, you might be in that moment right now where you're like, I don't know if the blood has been washed off my life, the blood of my own hands, the wrong things that I have done. Have you been freed? Is your blood speaking or is the blood of Jesus speaking over your life? Because my blood is not speaking a good enough word. But the blood of Jesus 
cries out over my life, mercy. The blood of Jesus cries out over my life, healing. The blood of Jesus cries out of my life, forgiveness. The blood of Jesus cries out over my life, you belong. The blood of Jesus lifts you from the depths and the darkness and says, you're clean. Man, that's the, the blood's still speaking right now. His blood is speaking over our lives. Let me read a couple of scriptures about the blood of Jesus. This is why I told you that song was the right song. So anyway, we, I don't tell Felicia what I'm preaching on. Uh, I guess she could have read the passage, but I bet she didn't. Um, and she just picked the song out that talked about the blood today. And I was like, that was the right song. But Hebrews 9, if you want to be ready on the screen here to shoot these up real quick. Uh, it says, Jesus, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all. Once and for all, I love that. He'd only had to do it one time. Jesus is not having to do anything over and over again. It's already been taken care of. And secured our redemption for how long? Forever. That's good news. This is not temporary. This is not just a quick fix. This is not a religious high. This is forever. Under the old system, the blood of goat, those animals right there, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. In other words, they could cover sin for a, for a season, but we've got to keep doing it. Just think how much more, how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. The blood of Jesus is enough. And so, dear brothers, Hebrews 10, and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. We, the things that have been on our lives, they've been taken off of you. So that porn addiction you had, it's gone. It's washed away. The shame is gone. That drug addiction, it's gone. That anger addiction, it's gone. That hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness, it's gone. You've been washed. You've been set free. Live as if you're free. It's the blood of Jesus. His blood is still speaking over your life. That's the good news. It doesn't say that the blood spoke. It says his blood speaks. It speaks a better word. Ephesians 1.7 says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. There's freedom in the blood. The blood is speaking over us freedom. So if you're battling something right now, you're like, man, I haven't got out quite yet. The blood of Jesus is declaring and speaking freedom over your life. 
Lord, help us hear what you're saying over us, not what somebody else is saying, not what the devil's saying, not what my past is saying, not what my own mind is saying. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Man, this is so good. Why would I settle for the old when this is the new? Why would I settle for less than Jesus when I could have Jesus, when I have the new life in Jesus, where I could have freedom in Jesus, where I could have forgiveness, where I could have wisdom from Jesus? How many of us, how many of you need wisdom right now? You're like, I need wisdom for a situation. I got, I got these people i got to have a conversation with, and I'm going to come to this. I, I need wisdom. The blood of Jesus is declaring over you, you're going to be a wise person. You're going to have the wisdom of heaven, which is pure and kind and loving and all the good things that the book of James says. You're going to, the blood of Jesus is speaking that over your life. It speaks a better word. It's not just about, just about what's crying out from humans. It's something that what is crying out from heaven. What is heaven saying over your life? What, what is the blood speaking over you? What is Jesus' blood? It's a better word. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You come, let's come up and play. Can you play that song without me? Uh, the blood, Jesus, whatever. I don't know the name of it. <laughs> the Foursquare song, even though it's not written by Foursquare. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, we've kind of, I feel like we already responded to this. So it's kind of cool that we got the teaching after the, kind of an experience. But I want us to just kind of, kind of just, just sing this song one more time as we close. And let, let Jesus speak something over you today. So whatever, whatever he wants to say over you, let's just, maybe you don't even need to sing the song. Felicia's at least going to sing it. <laughs> so we can have the word spoken over us. But what is the blood of Jesus saying over you? So we're just going to go through this for just a minute here, and, and she's going to declare that over us right now. Thank you, Lord. Oh, 
right now your blood compels me to forgive right now your blood transforms my mind right now your blood it brings the dead to life right now and I I still
let's just begin to thank him right now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Thank you for setting us free, oh God. Thank you for setting us free, Jesus. If you, if you heard God say something over you, I just, I just encourage you to, to write that down somewhere. Take that and like put it somewhere where you can see it for the next week or month or whatever. And just you can just put the blood of Jesus speaks this over me, whatever it is. I encourage you. If, if you didn't hear something now, just continue to ask God. Continue to spend time with him and say, Lord, what, what are you saying over me? And he, he's obviously, he's saying all kinds of things all the time, but there might be one who just wants to highlight for you. He just might want to get it soaked into your heart where his, the words that he is saying over your life are just soaked into your life. So let's, let's stand as we close. I'll close this in prayer. If you still need prayer, <clears throat> please come on up. We've, we've done lots of praying, but we'll keep praying if we need to. If you're like, I should have gone forward sooner and I, I needed prayer, hey, it's okay. Come on up as we close. Leaders will be up here. So, Father, we just, we just give you glory today, God, and we thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us just on the edge of the mountain, God. You didn't leave us on the outside looking in, but you brought us into the very place, the very presence of God. You, you brought us into where we're not just, we're, we're not just forgiven, God, that we're, we're the sons and daughters in the house, God, that we have, we have been raised up to a level of a blessing that is unimaginable, a level of belonging and security and love that is that is unfathomable, God. And so we, we give you praise. Jesus, help us hear what you're saying over us. God, we thank you, Lord, that as believers and followers of Jesus, every single one of us, God, we can live with confidence. We can enter into the presence with boldness, God. We can have your grace in our lives to overcome. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've never given your heart to Jesus. I encourage you, don't leave here. Come see one of us up front here. We'd love to talk with you, to pray with you, and to let you experience all that we've talked about today. And so, be blessed as you go in Jesus' name. We'll see you Wednesday at the, the outreach.